And welcome to another Tucson Means Business, proudly sponsored by the 49ers Golf and Country Club. And as I like to say, the hidden jewel of the desert, that's the Rincon Mountain Grill. Uh, things are open. Golf, they've had an incredible year, in fact. And the restaurant is open. You can dine there. There are specifications, of course, through, you know, the old pandemic. It will go away one day. And also, uh, the pool is open, so there's lots of swimming going on and the gym. Everything's there for the family. But, of course, with summer coming up and there'll be uh, different uh, seating going on soon with the course and we'll be back into another year, but just wanted to let you know. So thank you to the 49ers. We feature business and businesses and, and uh, leading um, you know, thought leaders and, and business people within our community in the whole greater Tucson area. And my very special guest today is uh, is a president and CEO of his organization and everybody else's organization, the Greater Vale Chamber of Commerce, and I'm referring to Brad Anderson. Welcome, Brad. Mark, thank you very much for inviting me. In. Oh, it's lovely to have you. I've heard a lot of good things about you and what you're doing, so I thought I better nab this guy before he gets too big and I can never get hold of him. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> now, you um, interesting background. You grew up uh, on a family farm in northern Colorado. So many, what do you call them, Coloradans? Coloradians? <laughs> what, what? Coloradoans. Coloradoans. Yes. So many Coloradoans are in this neck of the woods, aren't they? I think to escape the cold weather is the main reason <laughs> that many of those have come down here, including myself. And yet you have uh, beautiful territory. Oh, it's uh, Colorado's absolutely gorgeous. And growing up on a family farm and and living just to the east of the mountain range was was beautiful. Mm-hmm. During nine months of the year, there were three months that were brutal. And as I got older, I just hurt more when it got below zero. For That's what they tell me. Time. That's what they tell me. But we don't have the three months of the year as brutal here the other way, do we? We do. Yeah, we have the heat. <laughs> but you know, it's nice to walk out of an air conditioned building and feel the the warmth because mm-hmm. there's kind of a relief. It is. And, and it versus is. walking out of a warm building into the brutal cold. So yeah, this is this is much nicer. We, we love Tucson and Vail specifically. <laughs> and Vail specifically. Northern Colorado. But you did graduate with a bachelor's degree from Colorado State Uni and returned to the farm. Probably you thought, well, I'm here for the next, you know generation <laughs> i did and you worked with uh, worked with your, your dad in partnership for what like 10 years for 10 years yeah that was uh, of course family farms that back in the day was uh, my grandfather bought a farm he came from sweden and uh, bought a farm in colorado and then my dad followed him and they were in partnership together when i graduated from colorado state then I went back and joined my dad as well. So actually, three generations were working together for a while. And right. Well, that used to be it, wasn't it? The man on the land, it wasn't just one family. It was all the way through years of history. And that's why it's heartbreaking if the farm goes, if the farm goes out of the family hands. It is. It's a you completely know. different way of life. Yeah, yeah, totally. What What was it, you know, I mean, what was it like working with your dad? It, it You take it for granted at the time because mm-hmm. you're just doing it every day. But as I look back on it now, as I grew up, Every single day when I would come home from school, I could go out and be with my dad. He was working on the farm. Mm-hmm. I could walk to wherever he was usually and mm-hmm. just spend my time with, with my dad. And I was actually thinking today, because school is just getting out right now, that the feeling when school got out, it was fun that to get to go home. And summer was work on mm-hmm. the farm, mm-hmm. but it was fun work. You got to oh, spend time with dad and uh, the family. and Yeah, it was it was a good a good experience. One of those things you miss when you grow up and, and now raise kids of my own. 
that you don't get to be around them every day. And um, Well, what a nice way to grow up when you think about it, you know. As a young fellow, uh, I grew up in a city, of course, but um, I ended up going to boarding schools, which were out in the country. And, you know, we used to go out and visit farms and got to know farmers and... I enjoyed that way of life. It was uh, it was very very nice. I you, think it, I think it gives you a value. I think it does too. Because we took care of animals. We had a feedlot All that right. we fed cattle as well, and most of them were calves just coming off a ranch mm-hmm. to the feedlot. So every day we were walking the pens and we were taking care of our cattle. Right. And then also the crops. Every day you're you're during the summer you're watering them. You're taking care of things. So you really learn a value mm-hmm. of life and of hard work mm-hmm. and creativity and being able to do things for yourself that maybe you don't get a lot of times when you don't have that opportunity. So it, it was a mixed farm. We're talking about on the land as well as cattle, right? Yes. What what sort of Frisian? What what sort of so we we were a background feedlot, and we would buy calves off of various ranches. Oh, okay, so all right. They would have the cows and have the calves then in the spring, in the fall. Then we would purchase those calves, and we put them in a feedlot. We'd background them, what they called background. We'd feed them until mm-hmm. the spring, when they'd uh, about double in size, and then we'd, we would sell those to a finishing feedlot where they'd go on high grain quality. But all right. We could have that hands-on. So most of what we grew on our farm was actually hay and corn to feed our cattle. Oh, okay. That well, that makes our, sense. Our main economy. Well, uh, you know, because you stayed within the feed bin, you, you were then selected as the executive vice president of the Colorado uh, Cattle Feeders Association. That's a position you held for somewhat 15 years. 15 years, yeah. And uh, a credit to you, during your tenure there, the organization expanded its membership to include dairy and pork producers, and became the Colorado Livestock Association. So uh, that must have been an important period of life. It was. um, What I found was that I enjoyed that working with people, and I enjoyed bringing people together and working towards common good and a common goal. Uh, What we found in in cattle feeders and pork producers a lot of times traditionally would be competitors because they're producing products that would be both competing for the center of the plate, if you will, so pork Mm -hmm. versus beef. (laughs) But the issues of production became very similar. Uh, When you put livestock into a confined operation, whether it's pork or dairy or beef cattle, the issues became very, very similar. And so what we found ourselves working on were legislative issues, environmental issues that the entire industry was concerned about. And so we started collaborating and joining those efforts and as an organization, we became the lead organization in those efforts. And so those other industries asked if they could be part of our organization, which we grew and eventually actually changed the name of the organization from Colorado Cattle Feeders to Colorado Livestock Association to okay. represent our new membership. Ah, interesting story behind that. So, you know, with all of this background and, and the cattle and, and so on and, and on the land and growing up, how on earth did you end up in an automobile dealership? <laughs> well, it's one of those things. After 15 years in the uh, in the association business, um, it, you start to see things over and over and over again. And, and I was ready for some new challenges. And one of our members uh, was a owner of an auto dealership. And he came to me and he said, you know, he said, you'd, you'd make a great dealer. Would you like to be interested? And so I talked to him. It took about two years before I finally listened. And he said, I'll help you learn the business. 
I'll teach you from the ground up, and I'll help you buy a dealership if that's what you want to do. Wow. So I went ahead, and I thought, you know, as far as new challenges go after 15 years with the association, I thought this could be a good opportunity. Well, okay, okay. Everybody needs a new challenge sometime in their life. Yeah, I'm not sure the car dealership was the best one for me, but... Uh, was he wrong in his anticipation of you, was he? Well, he uh, everything worked out very well. <laughs> the car business is a little different than... I would think so. <laughs> I would think so. But then again, okay, so you went on, and then in 2010, uh, perhaps a little more along your lines, you became a financial advisor with Edward Jones... They were they were a big mob, aren't they? Uh, yep, and and so to to transfer from the dealership into Edward Jones, as everyone recalls, two thousand eight two thousand nine were very difficult years. Oh, big time! Yep, and so the economy really tanked, and so I was there looking for an opportunity, and and enjoyed again working with people and helping people. So uh, I had the opportunity to join Edward Jones, which I did, and then I moved to Tucson to mm-hmm. take that opportunity. After we moved here about six months, there was an office that opened in Vail, and uh, the advisor was leaving that office, and they offered me the opportunity to pick up and and uh, take over that office. And I had never been to Vail, Arizona, mm-hmm. until the day the regional manager of Edward Jones called and said, "Here's an opportunity for you. Would you like it?" And I took it, and there it was go. my very first visit to Vail. See, I'm a great believer of, um, you know, man proposes, God disposes, whatever the universe has got prepared for you. You never would have thought 10 years before that you'd end up in Vail, right? I and, was hoping maybe Vail, Colorado at one time, but not Vail, Arizona. But. Well, there you go. So you, you got into that, but then recently you purchased a farmer's insurance agency. All right. They're, they're one of the big ones across the country. And you've owned that now for the past three years. What was it that could uh, appeal to you about joining farmers? So, so for going from Edward Jones and financial advising to the insurance business was a natural step. And because of the relationship that I built with people and the ability to work, I was able to expand beyond just financial advising and also helping people with their insurance needs. Well, that makes sense. And I had a brother-in-law who was and is a farmer's insurance agent in Colorado. And he twisted my arm, talked to my ear for a couple of years, and said this would be something that you'd be good at as well. So you got all these people. Come. Do you attract these people, I, don't I you? I must. <laughs> now, now everyone's giving me advice, but sometimes you listen to them, and, and fortunately I did in this case. And, um, and I purchased the uh, farmer's insurance agent uh, agency. And in that meantime, uh, when I was with Ever Jones, I joined the Vail Chamber of Commerce. And this was back in 2020? This was back 2010, actually. 2010, I beg your pardon. Yes, right. Uh, I, I did join the... Yeah, you've uh, been there a long time. ...the chamber, and um, I found that it was a good way for me to meet a lot of people, to connect with the community, mm-hmm. and be part of the business community. Yeah, that's the wonderful the thing about a chamber. Yep, and they were very open, very welcome. And, and mm-hmm. after a couple of years there, I was asked to serve on their board of directors, and served there for about six, seven years. And um, the during that time, and I did serve as the chair of the board at one point, and I developed this passion for the Vail community mm-hmm. and such a unique community. That community has really has an identity around the school district mm-hmm. because it's one of the best school districts in the entire state of Arizona. I've heard that. Mm. 
And there's just a passion of the people that live in that community. And they're very identifiable and they're very proud of what they do and where they live and about the, the history of the Vail area and, and all that's taken place there. And I really grew into that passion. Mm-hmm. And so when I bought the Farmers Insurance Agency, I decided it was time to step away from the board and, um, and let the organization have new blood and grow from there. But I always felt a pull back. And we had just hired a president CEO when I left, and he was doing a fantastic job. And because of health reasons, he had to um, retire from that position. And they came to me and asked if I'd be interested in taking that role. And obviously, with the Farmers Insurance Agency and, and this role, I, um, that was a tough balance. But we found a way to do both. Sort so. of a, a little joining made in heaven, if you ask me. Well, it's worked out very, very well. Um, and and that's good. Vale has some definite opportunities. You, in my research on you, you're known as, uh, um, how do I say this, as a good advocate for business growth uh, in the Vale area. You're very passionate about the area. And you hope, you know, you are hoping, I believe, to help guide the chamber uh, to perhaps playing a key role in influencing Vale's future and the outcome. Um, do a lot of people share your thoughts on that, or do they want it to stay right where it is? Well, there's there's both. Um, and part of that is changes are occurring in Vale. Um, we're seeing housing development. There's a 5,000 home development just starting in Vale called uh, Rocking K. There are several other Sounds like a communities ranch. that yeah, it's just huge. <laughs> 5,000, right? 5,000 homes. That's what I heard the other day. And then there's another one huge and another one apparently down the road. There are. There are. So, so it's, it's going to be, I mean, a, a city of its own right. Well, as of now, it's part of the county. So it's not incorporated. It's, no, it's, it's not. It's just a part of the county. But it's growing, growing rapidly. And that's bringing a lot of challenges to the community in ways of transportation, infrastructure, whether it might be water, sewer, broadband internet, uh, cell phone service, et cetera. And these, these, all of those mean jobs. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And, and um, so the, the, the area is growing a lot of vacant land and available land in the Vale area. So from a standpoint of saying, I have a passion, and wanting to be there, I see the challenges that are ahead of Vale, and I wanted to help Vale. And and we've kind of taken this mantra that says, if Vale wants to be Vale, it needs to be Vale. Mm-hmm. And so that's uh, one of those things that's driving me to say, how do I help? What can the chamber do to be an advocate for the community mm-hmm. to help? have an impact and provide input and to bring various decision makers to the table so that the community has a stronger foundation and grows in a positive direction. Well, let's talk about the Greater Vale Area Chamber of Commerce, the good old GVACC, as it's known, which That's was us. apparently, that was founded on a simple idea. It was. Yep. So the uh, the chamber began about 2008 or nine. And with the idea that they wanted to, one, have a networking group so that businesses could know each other, and it started there, And but then had a larger idea of saying, we need to be an advocate or a visionary for the community. 
Mm-hmm. And so those founding individuals that brought the original charter together for the chamber really saw the direction that the community was going, and they wanted to be a force in the community. So what I'm really hearing is that, uh, you know, the the area, the community itself needed an organization beyond a networking club to be the eyes, ears, and the voice of the economic development in the Greater Vale area. I suppose this idea led to the creation of the current mission statement, uh, Brad influencing Vale's future to enhance growth opportunities and advance economic development in the Greater Vale area. Do you make that up or what? Well, no, actually, I was part of the board <laughs> when that was made up, so to uh, influence Vale's future. Um, one of the things we've developed is a very close relationship with the Vale School District. And that is what, when people think of Vail, a lot of times they think of the school district. And Mr. Calvin Baker and Mr. John Carruth, both leaders of that uh, district, have been very influential also within our chamber. And it was actually Mr. John Carruth, the current uh, the superintendent of schools in Vail, that came up with the tagline that says, influencing Vail's future. Okay, okay. Yes, you'd expect somebody with uh, with that educational uh connection to possibly be involved with coming up with that uh you continue to become a you know there's a lot of people who are strong advocates for the community by having a voice and also for political issues uh, that are impacting your area uh, supporting local businesses creating events where the community can get closer to the business leaders who serve them what's the biggest problem you've got in mail Oh, that's that's a great question. Uh, so right now, the the hottest item on on Vail and what's going forward is the potential of incorporation. And as I said before, Vail is a part of the county. It's not incorporated, but yet has a very strong identity. Now I remember this a couple of years ago, wasn't there? There was the vote. There was seven. Actually, it's been seven and a half years ago now. Seven and a half, was it? Yep. Stone the crows, time flies, yeah, I doesn't know, it? it does, so quickly. Uh, anyway, but it was a no-no. It wasn't accepted. It, that's correct. It did lose by about 300 votes. Out of how, out of how many? What was the, the voting population? So at that time, it was voting was about 7,000 that voted in that election. Oh, so only 300. 300. And so it's close. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of pros and cons. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you next. OK, I wanted to delve into it to understand it better myself. You know, instead of the 300 Spartans that kept it out, kept them away from the wall. Why on earth wouldn't you incorporate then? Isn't it all goody goody things if you do? You know, Mark, that's a, a great, great question, too, because there it is not all sweet and wonderful to incorporate. There are there are those con sides of it as well as the pro sides of it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we're doing as a chamber is we are trying to find out what are all the pluses and what are all the minuses. And to say, is there an underlying need or benefit of incorporation? We can look and say that incorporation will allow Vail to design its own future and to set whether it's housing styles or business styles or zoning areas, Mm -hmm. those types of things in coordination with the county. But those are the benefits. But the other side of it is it costs money to run a county or a city. And there needs to be, when a area becomes incorporated, it has to take over the 
police protection of the uh, the area. Mm-hmm. It needs to take over the maintenance and con- of all the roads. And so there are costs associated with that. And a lot of people live in Vail because they don't want to be Tucson. And they've identified themselves separately. Mm-hmm. So that independence and has is is very strong in in the community and so rather than saying Vale needs to incorporate we are as a chamber trying to come up with all of the pros mm-hmm. all of the cons take a look at the feasibility of incorporation the viability sustainability and really put a dollar number as well to say this is what it's going to cost our community to incorporate and so it is, there are very definite benefits, but there are also some other considerations. So rather than people being afraid of what they don't know, we're trying to answer those questions before we even move forward. Mm-hmm. There would have been quite a few town halls, wouldn't there, before the vote? There's going to be a lot of town halls. There's going to be a lot of discussions. There's going to be a lot of focus groups. Do you, do you find that a lot of people just don't understand? They think incorporated means, hello, here we go, we're governed, we're going to be a Tucson, uh, you've got no say in the matter, they're going to come in and take over, our taxes are going to go up, water's going to go up, electricity's going to go up, all the services. But what services do you have? have as it stands that can be improved upon so if you incorporate great question the there are numerous things that would be a benefit so for example the roads the transportation as being part of Pima County we are prioritized however the county prioritizes the area admittedly with incorporation it's another layer of government but a lot of people in the community feel that government closer is better government than government further away. So you have more impact when mm-hmm. you have a smaller government than mm-hmm. when you have a bigger government. So even though the community now is responsible for the roads, it even now it has the opportunity to guide what happens to those roads. There's income, there's dollars that are tax dollars that are currently being collected. And because of the state laws and and the way they handle tax dollars, a lot of that money leaves our community today. It goes to Maricopa County because the allocation of all the state-collected funds is resent out. Well, that's no different to Tucson then. No, and and so it's based on, when you look at a county, what percentage of the county is incorporated? Mm -hmm. Maricopa County is almost 100% incorporated. Therefore, they get a lot of Tucson or Pima County area money, probably to the tune of close to $40 million. Uh, I know. It's been going on there for a long time, and it's heartbreaking with what we could do with down here. It it is, and and as we get more areas incorporated, more of that money comes back. So that There's another good thing then. So they'll get a share of that. They would, yeah. Uh, Is it serious dough? It's it's good money. It's it's probably going to be, we don't know what that number exactly is. Okay, so it'll be a percentage, though, of the $40 we're talking about. Correct. Okay, but it's enough to be able to do better roads, be better services. What are the things, if you could wave a magic wand tomorrow, that you would love to improve in Vail? Well, transportation. That's the biggest? That's that's the worst. Does that incorporate roads, though? It, when it, you say transportation. It does incorporate roads. So really the road quality and the road access. I heard the roads were better than Tucson. <laughs> That's not hard, though, is it, right? <laughs> but I did say that. Oh, it's a standard <laughs> old joke. We bash the hell out of it, don't we? Eh? Will it ever change? Uh, what else down there, really? Well, the, the other things that we're looking at is um, – 
Well, the reason I ask is everybody I know is moving down there. They are, and a lot. Of, <laughs> and if, if you take a look at the community, there are there are age groups from young to old that are moving to Vail. Right. So a lot of the young families are moving to Vail because of the school district. Right. So it, that's the pool. There. That that's the pool. That, okay. But a, there are a lot of retirees that are moving to Vail too. There are some great communities in Vail. You take the Del Webb area. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a um, uh, the great community and and. Well, I'm a golfer, so I know the Del Webb. Singer, except it's a bit windy for me. Oh yeah, you know, but that always you get helps. That, you you got to have some challenge to your game. Right? There you <laughs> go. Yeah. All right. You win. Okay. It changes from morning to afternoon in Vail as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it just keeps. So challenge. so where then? And you talk about well, there's five thousand houses here, and there's another this there. You got to. Where's the water coming from? Where's the power coming from? Where's all the services coming from? You're gonna need buses now. <laughs> Not everybody's got you know cars. Right. That's always the poor elderly that are left out in a case like this. So that, and that those are good those are good comments too because that's one of those things that as a community you can go and negotiate with other transportation companies to come into your area. Right. It's difficult to do that when you don't have an organized voice that's that's trying to advocate for those services. Um, so what I'm hearing is. On the left-hand side, we're not incorporated, and 6,700 are happy it's that way, right? Would like it that way. 300 don't want it, right? And they're right, too. So you're going to need something in the middle. Yeah, and so you know, on the vote last time, it was like 3,200 <laughs> 3, to 3,500, something like that. Oh, okay. Plus okay. Four, four and again. The 300 diff was the diff, right? Right. So, so what, what could you call something that's in the middle? So that's the question, and we are trying to work on those answers right now. In fact, we had a meeting today with several of the community leaders that have a lot of questions. And first off is where would the boundaries be? Where would the zones be to say this is what Vail is going to be? And we're starting to talk about that so that we can say if this is the area that we are looking at, that could be incorporated, then what does it mean economically to those people that are living there? And what are the benefits? What are the the taxes or the the cons of trying to incorporate and bring all that information together? So that's that's what we're trying to come together with right now. And there is not a clear answer. It's a, it's a process. And um, the soonest anything probably would be coming forward would be the latter part of 2022. All right. Now, there's always – well, I tell you what, we're going to take a break with our wonderful sponsors, the 49ers Golf and Country Club. And um, when we come back, I'd like to delve into that component of it, right, because I think that's interesting. We're talking about Vail growing, expanding services, but we don't want it to be like a Tucson. We want it to be better. We don't want to be part of a big conglomerate like that. But at the same token, you've got to have services. If your people want to go there and you're going to expand whether you like it or not, you've got to have these things to support you. Otherwise, it'll just be a schmozzle. The 49ers, ladies and gentlemen, they're on Tanker Verde. About 12,000 is the address. You can't go wrong. Past the school, the Emily Gray School on the right-hand side. And locals know it, but visitors don't. And this show goes all over the place. In fact, all around the globe. I've had interesting emails from you'd be surprised where. But at the end of the day, um, it's, you know, the course is in its best shape right now because it's getting ready for the new season and so on. But the the Rincon Grill is open. Uh, 
and the swimming is open, the gym is open, and it's still a marvellous place to be. And when we get back from the pandemic, it'll be fantastic again. And I'd like you to hear this word from the 49ers. Well, I hope you're enjoying this uh, episode of Tucson Means Business. And, of course, we're very grateful and very proud to have as our sponsor the 49ers Golf and Country Club, a uh, icon tradition here in wonderful Tucson, Arizona. And uh, my particular guest today from the 49ers is the Director of Membership and Tournaments. And his name is Casey Polivchak. Hi, Casey. Hey, Mark. How's it going today? It's going well. Thank you very much. I want to talk about memberships. A lot of talk uh, about golf clubs going down and people not playing again. And we're increasing. What's happening there? You know, the club over the last seven years has just really made a nice big increase in, uh, in membership. It's been steady. But if you look at our numbers, you know, year over year, we're definitely on the, uh, on the climb. Is there anything specific that you can uh, point the finger at for that, do you think? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, we've got a new owner, and he came in, and he's just revitalized the club. Um, the club was on the verge of uh, going bankrupt or closing uh, when the new owner stepped in, and he's just continued to invest in the in the club, the facilities, the golf course, uh, the restaurant, and he's just uh, just a bit of a blessing for the, the neighborhood, the community, but definitely the uh, the members of 49er Country Club. Well, it's quite unique. It's a beautiful course with trees everywhere for shade. Of course, a lot of people think in the desert. I mean, this particular show goes all over the place, so you never know who's going to hear it uh, or which country for that matter. But should they be visiting Arizona? And uh, I've heard a lot about the 49ers Golf and Country Club. It's easy to find. It's on uh, Tankaverde Road heading east out of town. Anybody can point that way. Your GPS can get it. Not a problem. It's about 12,000. And you can see it because of the entry gates. Very nice entry gates there and you'll see the club on your left which is the rink on mountain grill as you go into the actual golf club and then you'll find the pro shop and so on so it's easy to find from that point of view what would you say to visitors we do have a lot of visitors don't we from the midwest from the north uh, the colder climates and so on as we call friendly our snowbirds mm -hmm. yep. what would you um say to them about if they haven't been to the 49ers yet okay so 49er, I would liken it to a Midwestern-style golf course because mm. of the tree-lined fairways. Um, when we get our snowbirds in, if they're coming out for a, you know, a golf trip, a lot of times I recommend they come play 49er if it's a warm-up round, if they haven't played for, you know, a couple months because of the snow on the ground. Um, you know, the, the thing about it is it's tucked into the corner of the mountains out there. That's what Rincon means All right. um, in the corner. Uh, but the golf course is, uh, it is, it's more traditional tree line fairways, um, elevated tees, elevated greens. Um, it's a, it's a great golf course to play. It's, it's not going to kill you. It's not going to, uh, you know, have a bunch of huge forced carryovers, desert and cactus. And, mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, it's not what one thinks. No, it's not for the but desert. Yeah. You got to keep it straight. <laughs> It'll challenge you that way. You got to keep it straight, and of course, if you you know if if it talks your cork at the moment, simply go to the 49ers website, which is 49ercc.com. That's spelled out F O R T Y N I N E R C C dot com. There you go. Okay, so do that. There's some lovely photographs, great stories to look at, and it'll give you everything about the club. You can't uh, you can't fail. All right. We're going to be back with Casey another time. You're listening to Tucson Means Business.
That was four minutes. Wow. Crazy. It's imagine an hour and it's fun. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it just no goes. Kidding. All right, uh, Jordan, he's my guy in um, Ohio, Athens, Ohio. Yeah. He's the audio engineer. Wow. He's our audio engineer. So uh, this is track two now, buddy. Okay, coming up with Casey. And this is uh, this one's more about golf tournaments and so on. My special guest on Tucson Means Business is Brad Anderson, and he's the president and CEO of the Greater Vale Chamber of commerce and we're talking about uh, the pros and the cons and the benefits and the so on so there will be town halls i love town halls i love the opportunity for people to speak up and really and they get hostile though they can get hostile but if they got a chance to be heard and not hey sit down you know or, or like some of the um you know um, council meetings I've experienced in my travels in my life in different countries. You wouldn't believe. May I sit down? <laughs> you don't even get a chance. You know what I mean? It's not like that in Vale. People are friendly. People are friendly, and and <clears throat> the, obviously there's strong feelings on both sides. And it's important that everybody gets their questions, their concerns, their thoughts, their ideas voiced. And so as we go through the town hall meetings and the focus meetings and the opportunities, that's, there isn't a decision that's been made yet on, even, on whether incorporation is going forward. It won't be till after those meetings and after those opportunities to say, does the community really want to incorporate? Steve Christie, who's um, county supervisor, says that he will listen to the community members he doesn't have an opinion one way or the other on whether it should or shouldn't incorporate, but he's offered to bring the communities together as well, bring the people together to host these discussions mm -hmm. as well as we'll have others. We're, we'll work with the homeowners associations and say, do you? first off, we'd like to have meetings, listen to input, get your thoughts, your ideas, your questions uh, before it moves forward. So whether it's um, HOAs, whether it's the faith-based organizations, whoever, whenever anybody's interested in getting more information, that will be that will be forthcoming. And as soon as we have that information, we're going to be going out and talking to people and asking, "What do you think?" Well, that's the difference. Let's just take two two different perspectives alone. Let's talk about HOAs firstly. Uh, the fear of God goes into you. Oh, I can see it going through the roof. We incorporate. We're going to have this. We're going to have that. Uh, I can't afford for it to go much more. On the right-hand side of things, we're talking about, um, uh, you know, having having more uh, businesses, more more uh, things that people want, restaurants, dancing, nightclubs. And then you get those that say, well, now we're going to attract more riffraff. We're going to have this. We're going to have that. You can never please everybody. But do people really understand? I mean, what do you hand out as a chamber? What Are you involved with printing questions and answers type things for people? For those 3,000 that didn't want it, they must be pretty adamant about why. They must have their solid reasons. But then you get the 3,000 that do. What do they understand that the first 3,000 didn't? Well, I think a lot of people moved to Vail for various reasons, and so they came into the community with different ideas. And people... People have been there for different amounts of time, too. So mm -hmm. those people who are have been in Vail for quite some time have a very strong opinion about their community and what it should look like and that they live there because of it being a rural area. And now you have people moving in because housing's there and affordable housing. The thing that we're seeing is that 
we're hearing a lot of comments about transportation. Obviously, we talked about that, about mm-hmm. road construction. And and it's known as the town between the tracks, right? Mm-hmm. So that um, it is a area that the trains have an impact on the transportation. And you might try to go through town, and it may take an extra 15, 20 minutes just because of trains going through. So the transportation includes the... Uh, the routing through, under, over, around yeah, right. some of these trains issues. As That's well. a real country town when you look at that. It is. We love that in Australia, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and the outback. Oh, you can even stop for a, a three mile long cane train yeah. if you like up in Queensland. <laughs> you know, you can get out and have a barbecue while the thing goes by so before you can pass. But okay, I'm, I'm getting a better idea of it because I sort of understand both sides. You know, I mean, the fear. Listen, when I first came here, what, 25 years ago, uh, because my wife's a Tucsonan, and I used to call them Tucsonians. (laughs) You soon learn that one. I'm going to whack across the hand. Um, Then we went away and we worked in islands in Australia, New Zealand, different things. And and, uh, we came, we've been back the last eight years now, it would be. And, you know, as an outsider to Tucson and not growing up here, like a lot of people would blow in, so to speak, um, takes 30 years to be a true local. <laughs> but I hear, I used to hear a lot of people say, you know, look, there's a lot of people in this town, Mark, that don't want it to grow. They've had a stranglehold on it from day one. That's why we never got this, this uh, terrific little freeway all across town that could have saved us so much aggro. Right. Like you try and work a business here when you're on the road during the summer months and if you're a rep and you're travelling or whatever. It's a long way across Tucson, right? It is. And somebody rang me before to say, you know, you're not going to believe it, but there was a big accident on uh, up on Iron up in that area anyway. And, uh, I mean, everything's blocked. Everything's blocked. Everything's held up for one or two hours and so on. But I can understand people not wanting down freeways either because I don't like them across height and this and, and across the city. But you have to weigh some things up, don't you? You do. And, and, that's, you know, and ultimately that, that's what the community will help decide is let's weigh all the factors. And for those people who are, feel very strongly that Vale needs to remain rural – one of the good ways to do that is actually incorporate because then you get to set your own direction. It's not the county anymore that's deciding where housing is going to go and what it's going to look like mm-hmm. and and the scope of the growth of the community. Now it's the community that gets to decide. The people that are there seriously get to decide. Genuinely. Yes. Yeah. They, they really get to decide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what happens when you have close government is that uh, at this point the county decides what a building look, looks like, where housing is, how dense the housing is going to be. Mm-hmm. And when you incorporate, that all is given over, control is given over to the town. So those people that are in the community now get to decide what their community looks like. And one of those additional things that that is a plus is, again, what a community looks like and feels like. Vail doesn't have any city parks. It's not a city. There aren't really any county parks. Well, that's needed. And because the county doesn't have the funds to go out and build big yeah, parks. Yeah, that's right. It's all very well wanting one, but it costs dough, doesn't it? Yep, it sure does. They've so, got the upkeep, yep. water, maintenance, staff, but there's nothing nicer than a nice park in every city. And and where do your youth go to play 
basketball. Or well, you need a games area. That's different again. Those things too. You know, so, oh, you mean that would be like an extension of the park sort of thing. Right. It would all be in the same area. So we do have the school uh, football fields and that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. But we had a representative from the school district there at our meeting today, and she said the uh, all the fields, all of their areas are booked every single night. So there aren't opportunities right. for sporting groups, football clubs, those types of things to use uh, facilities. So that's another thing that if it's important to the community, and that's the big if, mm-hmm. that if they want to have those services, those amenities within their community, then they can do that. It's their decision, not okay. the county's decision. Okay, and where does the money come from? Great. Uh, so part of that money would come from what is called um, a state money at this point that's already collected. So income taxes, sales cl- taxes that are already collected. That are This is the percentage of the yep. whole state yep. of that's, Arizona. Yes, that's going to... Which comes from the, the government that it's in power at the time. Right. So okay. uh, gas taxes, for example. Okay. So we all, when we fill up our tank with gas, we're all uh, yep. go paying a tax to a the cent state. Cent here, cent there, whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. To, to, and... But you know, there's people that bitch about that too, don't you? Sure. You it, can't do a cent more. Come on. <laughs> eh? But a lot of that money is going, a percentage of that money could come back to yes. the community. Right mm-hmm. now it's going to Maricopa County or other uh, incorporated areas, and it's not coming back to our community. So there's the, those are called HERF funds. But there's all the other state monies that are collected. So that will be the vast majority of anything. So can a town operate on those funds only? Possibly, but at very, very tight strings. Yeah, no, you need more than that. And so Vail, the town of Tucson, I believe, right now has a 2.5% sales tax. Vail doesn't have anything because it's not incorporated, but there may be a need for sales tax. That's one of those things that we are looking at. That's the negative side to say if you buy something in Vail, you, um, you would you may need to pay a sales tax. But, again, that's to the, a vote to the community. No, no, members. if I live there, though, I, you know, I'd be saying, mm, all right, well, how much and who's it going to? And if we all pay the sales tax, uh, is there enough services in Vail that warrants me or do I have got to come to Tucson to get or buy what I want or shop? Can I get what I need in Vail? It's a, it's a catch-22 because you want the businesses to go there. You want them to set up and do it. You want all sorts of services and things you can get in any place you want to go. We're spoiled to death, you know. And the reality is, how do I attract business? It's tough enough trying to get businesses to come to Tucson, right? How much, how many do you do in the chamber? All your hard work, how many businesses are coming, you know, national businesses are even looking at Vail? So they're looking at, at Tucson area because it's growing, but there's nobody other than the chamber, and we can only do so much because we're not a town. We can't attract people. We can't say, come here and you'll get certain benefits. Right, right. Uh, we're just saying, this is a wonderful community to be part of. We'd love to have you yeah, here. Lovely to grow your kids up in. Um, you know, we just got to do the roads for you. <laughs> right. And so there's no, there is, even though we try to be that advocate for the for the Vail community. Yeah, I understand. It's not organized. It's not a, a, a town that can say, come in and we can grant you these things. And that's one of the things we're missing out on. So whether it's restaurants, whether it's uh, mm-hmm. retail centers, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, you know doctors and, and all sorts of different services, mm-hmm. we, can, we are reactive rather than proactive. Yeah, and that's no good, is it? And so those are things that we're evaluating. So and, why, and, and really, why should it all fall on the shoulders of the chamber? The, the, um, 
In all honesty, I mean, chambers do a great job. It's not what they used to be 20, 30 years ago, even 10 years ago. I mean, I'm a member of the Metro Chamber, and Amber and Michael, I mean, the whole team, they work their guts out trying to bring people here to do something, companies I'm referring to. Right. right. Business, money, create jobs, because we lose a lot of our kids. They leave the town. There's no future here except in, you know, hotels, motels, restaurants, unless you want to go into health. So, or the Air Force. You know, uh, and, and Tucson Metro, um, the Marana, the Oro Valley, the Saurita Chambers all do an excellent job in, in, in promoting their areas. Why does the incorporation in that concept come back to the chamber? Because the chamber is the only organized entity that can take that role. And again, we're not promoting incorporation. We're just trying to get all the information together. And so we are facilitating the community's discussion on incorporating. So there's a group of about 20 people mm-hmm. that uh, community members that are discussing it and coming together. So we are facilitating that discussion. Um, as we talk today about where, what does the community look like? What is the compelling reason to incorporate? And that if there's a compelling reason, if there's an underlying saying, this is the community really wants this and what that may be, mm-hmm. then then there's a reason to incorporate. If there's not a compelling reason, if there's not, if if the community doesn't get something more by incorporating right. of what course. they have today, yeah. then it's something that shouldn't happen. Um, if as you look ahead 30 years from now, if Vail isn't its own town, it's very probable that Vail will become part of Tucson, that Tucson would annex into Vail as right. there are more businesses. And that'll destroy what they originally didn't want to happen in the first place. Uh, so you might as well get on board now and be done with it. <laughs> Why don't you run town halls with some um, uh, beautiful projections of what you could have, like the playing area, one thing, a park perhaps another, finished and done, uh, all sorts of yummy things that you could do. And maybe alongside all of that, the costs of what it would take, and then ending up with, as you go around, right, with free drinks to do it. But as you go around, you're going to end up with, there it is there, $1.6342 billion. Well, we can get three quarters of that if we become incorporated. Right, right. And we can do that. Oh, what do you reckon, Mavis? So those, but those are the things. What, what are those pictures that saying, if you say, what would we design? What would we look at? And is it a town area that all looks alike? Is it the old Pueblo look that mm-hmm. even though Tucson is known as old Pueblo, it really doesn't have that look? To no, it. no. It's, a, it's so, a discombobulation in some ways. So could you create an old Pueblo feel as as you have the ability to set what are the building codes? What do you need to do as you start to build? So as you start to imagine what it may look like, so the building in, in the downtown area that Vail doesn't have today that, that could start to be to grow and develop, uh, if it's the parks, if it's the better roads, those types of things that mm-hmm. say these are the benefits, but here's the cost. And so you weigh those. You weigh them up. And you say, is it a reason enough to, to incorporate and go down that road? How many members in the Vale Chamber? We have uh, total business members about 185. 185 business members who represent quite a broad spectrum of the businesses in Vail, right? The greater Vail area. So the, our businesses conclude both businesses in Vail and those businesses who do business in Vail. Okay, so all right. Whether it's a Lloyd Construction, for example, who builds, they, they're they not located in Vail, but they have a lot of 
of interest in a lot of projects going mm-hmm. on in the community. So whether you're located in in Vail or have an interest in doing business in Vail, those that would consist of our members. Of those members, is there a feeling or a vote or a, the, the latest chat? Which way does the needle lead? So of those members, I think it's pretty strongly that Vail would incorporate hmm. um, okay. just because of the known regulations, the known requirements of doing business in Vail, mm-hmm. and that if Vail incorporates and then the growth of Vail and, and the business side of Vail would be able to be a stronger community in that area. Well, there's no doubt Vail is seeing incredible growth. Uh, we've talked about the role of the chamber that you're playing and driving. Um, look, post-pandemic, nearly, we've still got a bit to go yet. Um, I can't believe what's happening in Australia right now. It's turned right around, 180. And uh, see, because they didn't wear masks and they didn't have to do certain things, <laughs> boom, now it's come out again. Anyway, that's a debatable thing. Going forward, 2021, uh, what what are your goals? If You, you know, let's wave the magic wand. What's uh, young Brad going to achieve in the remainder of this year? So the two, two things. One is we really want to start this dialogue with the incorporation. The other thing I is key to me is to help the chamber become very financially stable and that we are bringing together the larger, all the businesses we can, whether they're large or small or, or family-owned, whether you do business in your home or you do have a big building that you do build business out of, mm-hmm. we want to bring people together. And one of the ways that we are working towards that is we've developed what's called our Chairman's Council membership, which is some of those larger companies that have the funds that they can contribute so that mm-hmm. it gives the chamber the strength, the political strength, and the advocacy to make some changes. So obviously, we live in a time where uh, various representatives, whether they are state, county, local officials, have an influence on what we do. And so if we are going to talk to them and have the clout that says when we sit down with the ta- at the table mm-hmm. with, say, for example, the Arizona Department of Transportation, if we are talking to them about I-10 access and we want to change the ability, the on and off ramps at Houghton Road, which now is being done, or, or old Colossal Cave Road, that we have that influence to do that. We have the members that have impact, and by working together, right. we can influence what happens there. One of the one of the key things right now too is is uh, cell phone service. A lot of Vail is uh, in the marginal area of, of cell phone service, and if you drive through there, a lot of times you may lose mm-hmm. your cell phone connection if you're on the phone. But uh, we're trying to advocate that various carriers bring in additional cell towers mm-hmm. into Vail, and that's a tough. That's a tough. Well, that'd be a tough one. You know, where where are you going to position them? What are they going to block out as views? Uh, what about the so-called radiation off the mall and this and that? I mean, there's so much involved. I mean, you wonder why people want to get out of everything and just live peacefully. You might as well have lanterns with no electricity, have your own water supply. And what you should do in Vail, you know what they've done in Queensland, is you can't build a brand-new home without putting a water tank in it. Right now, that's smart. They have heavy tropical rains mm-hmm. at a period of the year. Right. right. What happens when there's a drought? You know, I mean, you've got all this extra water instead of paying for town water, and water's going to get. I personally, maybe I'm nuts, but I think water's going to become more expensive than oil. 
in the south of the southern Arizona. You know, growing up in a farm community where in Colorado, where we had an irrigated farm ground, um, water was was our life. Um, there you go. And access to water, um, and so I'm very cognizant of of water concerns and and the scarcity that we're going to have. We live in a fantastic area. You know, the weather's nice, except mm-hmm. for maybe a few months out of the year when we get super hot. But as far as the um, the the all the environment that we have here, we don't have to worry about tornadoes or hurricanes or earthquakes. Uh, and a lot of those we're things. very fortunate that way. We are, and the and our biggest limitation is water or rainfall. But you could be strangled out with though if you're not careful. You've got to plan for it. We you do, and, and this this area, if you don't plan, is short term. It's not sustainable. So that's an area, that's a major concern, especially as we're going through this drought that we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Water usage is of utmost concern. People coming here, you know, California, they're getting a million five for a bungalow, two-bedroom thing. Nice home here in our area. Buy a new car, maybe something, set of golf clubs, if you like, and start living life. Good on you. Half your luck. You're, you're entitled to. But I got kids. Where do I go? Where do I settle down? Is TUST uh, a little better than the Vale deal you got going down there, or which way? Yeah, no. You get feedback. I know you do from people with families who seriously consider Vale because of that work that's going on with the the Vale School District. Yes. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And if you don't you don't have to look too far. Just look at the results from the ratings of the school districts. Vale School District usually rated number one or number two in the entire state. And so they have a very advanced level of being proactive in designing their school districts. Vail School District is one of the first areas where um, all their high schools have different focuses. And so as a resident within the Vail area, mm-hmm. you can ask that your child go to any one of their, call, one of their high schools that it's open enrollment so that you can move around if you want a, um, a career focused at veterinarian. It's they a bit have, of a novel idea, isn't they it? Have those, they have those focuses now. So almost like a college that okay. says you can start to focus what you, if you have an idea what interests you, that your student, your youth can go to a school that mm-hmm. helps those types of things. Maybe it's auto repair. Um, yeah, like a trade, maybe. I, I don't want to be a lawyer, a doctor, right. the traditional four-year, you know, or longer. I, I'd like to go into a trade, and I'd like to, you know, think about now, perhaps, while I'm at school, while I'm young. In the Vail School District, and, and they've been on the forefront of that change to say it's not the traditional old very school smart. format. Mm-hmm. It's very adaptive and very focused. And you can take a general education if you want to go on to a university or some uh, secondary school. But they also have other opportunities, whether it's the trades, whether it's whatever career you may want to go into. They've been very, very groundbreaking in that direction. They also um, have opened their schools to, to various different methods and modes of, of education. COVID has put the entire district at a reevaluation of what education looks like going forward. Um, are people going to want to take more classes at home than what they do? Again, that's the way the university has taken. Yeah, um, it's been bad. You know, I just want to add a left field. I'm going to ask you this, what your version is. I'm starting to know everybody's sick of COVID. Everybody's sick of the pandemic and sick of wearing masks and just what it's done to us of non-communication, non-mixing, non-sharing. You know, and then we feel so bad for all those that have left us because of it, you know. But I tell you what, Brad, that makes me a little hot under the collar. 
It's these companies taking advantage of it. Now, what I mean by that is all of a sudden maybe uh, it, it's really belonging to the service area. If I don't have as many staff and therefore as many holidays and therefore as many extra payments I've got to make, right, and I work them at home and I can cut back a little bit, you're not going to get the service that we're used to and what we pay for. Right. And we're going without now by the some of the biggest companies on this planet and in America, starting from A to Z, without naming any of them, that I have personally, and my friends have too, they've said to me, it's disgusting, the service that is going on at the moment, and it's all blamed on the pandemic. I mean, there's a lot of people going back to work. There's a lot of people doing stuff. But when you've got massive money and massive budgets and you're a big company, there's no excuse to run one person that might take you one day to get a phone call back or something else when they could have a whole room full. Right. They could afford that. And even if they are working from home, well, they're not paying holiday pay. They're not paying medical. They're not paying what else? So you know what I mean? We, we can't let it go back that way. No, absolutely not. And, and, and COVID is bringing about a change in business and, and formats in, in a lot of different ways. Um, and I think that as a purchaser of services or of goods, that to me, the value comes back to service. And, and I'll, I'll uh, bridge over to where I am as insurance as well, is that as an agent, that's my role. As an agent of, of insurance, if you have a concern about your coverage, whether you need if to make a claim, that's the role of your agent. And that's where we're trying to focus to say, we are going to service you because you can go get some insurance cheaper elsewhere, admittedly. Mm. There are other companies out there that all they're focused on is volume. But when it comes down to making a claim and to, oh, yeah. Yeah. to have that service levels, that's where you're going to pay a little extra, but you get it when you need it. Well, there's an old saying, Brad, you pay for what you get. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, you know, farmers, a uh, marvelous company, but they are not the cheapest. And, not, and they don't try to be. But I tell you what, the service is amazing. Then that's what we try to do. And See? We, so, you, you know, I don't mind paying a little bit extra for that. And, and you know, too, that financially is strong enough that if you do have a major claim, it's going to be there to help pay. Yeah, that's the other thing. And, and you've you got know. an advocate on your side because it's not easy to navigate through a lot of these different services, whether it's insurance or other things, too. Even IT, a lot of times, it's, it's very difficult mm -hmm. for someone that isn't IT literate to, a to the degree other people are. Oh, tell and, me about and it. you struggle with it. <laughs> and what is what is nice is when you actually get to talk to somebody and find out and have somebody help you through it. And, mm -hmm. and that's the service level. And I agree with you is that service is key, that any business that's going to survive long term needs to have that service of their product, of, of their service, whatever it may be, in order to, to – it's not always the bottom line. Uh, we are here, and we've talked about it, as is, 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 we are here to help each other through life. We have our challenges. We have each and every day. And as we can help other people do achieve their needs and their desires, that's our role here. And as individuals, and that's a little philosophical for me. Oh, but, oh it's very good. But, it reminds uh, me of a fellow. I just got a mental block at the moment with his name, but he was a wonderful motivator and speaker. And he was aligned with Herbalife International for many, many years. But that was his. You get what you want by helping people getting what they want.
Absolutely. And uh, people listening would know who I'm referring to. But uh, So there we go. You know, um, Brad Anderson, he's president and CEO of the Greater Vale Chamber of Commerce. There's some exciting things happening down there, my friend. I keep saying down there. Is that the right uh, terminology? Should, <laughs> I I, guess if you should look, I say up there? <laughs> if you're looking at a map, it's probably down there because we're on the south side of Tucson. So the southeast. How about a high-speed train down there, down the Vale? About 10 minutes. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be perfect. You know, we're... <laughs> vale is, is is a great little community and, and uh, so many positive things happening in the area. And it's fun to watch it grow. Yeah. It's fun to be part of, you know, something's growing and sprouting. And sure, so sure. If you have a, a, a plant that you're cultivating and the plant's growing and it's green and mm-hmm. it's luscious. It's lovely. It's, it's great to look at versus if it's wilting. And definitely veil is that growing bush. It's, it needs some trimming here or there. Right. But it, it's fun to watch Well, Matt, it, it sounds very, very exciting. And I'd love to have you back sometime and uh, tell us the progression and what's going on. And, and uh, with my new plans coming in July and going into the new year, we'll get down there and do some stories and cover some things. But I, I appreciate the time you've taken out today. I know you're a busy man, but uh, I like, you know, I mean, it is Tucson means business, but Vale is Tucson, although it's your own private little area, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's right. We're, we're all part of the Tucson community, right? That's, <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, the, ladies the, and we gentlemen. We are the gem of the Tucson area. Oh, <laughs> the gem of the Tucson area. It's called Vale. <laughs> vale, Colorado. No, 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 no. Vale, Arizona. Ah, Southern and, Arizona. And Mark, it's, it's amazing the number of calls we get every day when someone is asking us about the weather conditions and during the winter, if how the skiing is in Vale. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to make sure they know they're calling Valers. Is it cooler, by the way, cooler than Tucson? As a matter of interest? It, it normally is, yes. Yep. Yeah, one or two degrees? Uh-huh, yeah. Hmm, okay. So, so a little breeze helps just a little bit. Well, the further south, see, you go, to, you go to Blessed Phoenix, you cook an egg on the footpath. <laughs> I mean, it's that hot, man. Yeah. 114 and this and that. I lived there a long time back, but but a lot of beautiful golf courses, a lot of greenery, and the water problems. See, there you go. That upsets everybody. Too much green, too many golf courses. Yeah, but we've got some wonderful places here. And I know as you talked about the 49ers Club. It's it's a beautiful place, too. I get to golf at every now and then, and I do love that experience. It's famous. Do you get many visitors, many tourists coming to actual Vale? It's tough enough to get them away from Phoenix for us, never mind going down there. But it's just a little nice drive down the road. It's nice to drive. And there's, you know, we have Colossal Cave Road or Colossal Cave, uh, which is a, a beautiful little place. Actually cool if you go inside. Right. It's in, in the mm-hmm. 70 degrees when you go inside. So uh, that's an opportunity. And uh, a lot of biking, uh, bicycling down in that area, too. Some beautiful rides. Uh, well, well, they're everywhere, yeah. I get 10 points every time I get one. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly when they come through the 49er estate. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> they have, uh, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> and we have Saguaro National Park there, too. Yes, so. you have that as well. A lot of good stuff. All right, my friend, we've got to go. But uh, thanks to the 49ers, my special guest, uh, Brad Anderson. This podcast will be on air forever, hopefully. And and um, by all means, it'll be on uh, on Tucson Business Radio. So, but give Brad a call if people wanted to contact you. What's the best way? Just a website. Just our website at uh, greatervalechamber.com. Okay, and uh, and you're a lovely fellow. I mean, you're nice and open. You're not a snob. You'll talk to them. You can talk to them about anything. Oh, absolutely. That's that's absolutely. what I like to hear. That's proud. Thank you so much for being on air, and good luck with all your uh, dreams and goals for Vale. Mark, thank you very much.